Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. The Boston priests molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight. Every year, there is a much-touted movie <laughs> Whose popularity going. <laughs> just baffles me, and you know that I call them my Philomenas. You do, I do. We, I, well, I just want to interject here that when <laughs> when O'Toole and I first started doing this, one of our first film festivals was the Hampton Film Festival. I think it was three or four years ago, and and Philomena, we went to see it, and we didn't know each other that well as well as we do now. And you know my unbridled have, love for Dame Judi Dench. Yes, you love do. her, and she came out of it really, really adamant. me. <laughs> adamant about the film and and the minute we got into this I knew it was going to be the same thing so go for it yep so this year's Philomena is the movie Spotlight Uh I will say this for it it is packed with fabulous actors I mean the roster alone it's like a dream team Mark Ruffalo Michael by the way don't you he's showing up a lot of places in a lot of cool ways don't you think yes yes absolutely and not the handsome leading man but I just love him okay keep going yeah Michael Keaton who is not funny in this movie but unbelievably he's a he's he acts very well he does Rachel McAdams Lee Schreiber John Slattery and the Broadway great Brian Darcy James who Mm -hmm. was nominated for a Tony for playing Shrek on Broadway and of course, the great Stanley Tucci, who we both love, 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 love. Well, love. just because a g- bunch of really fabulous people come to a party doesn't make it a good party. Is Very that what good you're going to say? Very good point. Well, and then it's written and directed by Tom McCarthy, who was one of the writers on the animated movie Up. Mm-hmm. You know, a very different um, piece. He did the movie The Station Agent whose star won the Oscar for Best Actor. He did a movie, I don't know how many people saw it, but it starred Richard Jenkins, who I love, called The Visitor. Okay. If you haven't seen it, I totally Have recommend not. it. Okay. Okay. And now, do you feel my big point coming on? Yeah. <laughs> what is with you in the Catholic Church? That's all I can say. <laughs> okay, my big point is this. Just because a movie is about a terrible, terrible evil does not necessarily make it a good movie. Okay. <laughs> so should we end the podcast here? No, but okay, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, you know I've spent many years in Boston, and these priests, it's creepy to think about, but they were all floating around my neighborhood. So one of them worked out at a friend's gym. I know a hairdresser who cut the hair of some of them. (laughs) Cardinal Law, who many thought would really become the first American pope. When he got deposed, it was in the building right across the street from my then office. And just as an aside, that is the same building. Do you remember the shoe bomber, Richard Reed? Of course I do, yeah. And they forced that plane to land in Boston. It was the same building where they held Richard Reed. I get it. What's your point? Okay, so my point (laughs) is this. It's a story I was very familiar with. So maybe it's more of a novelty for people that didn't follow the story the entire as closely country, as it, no, I did. You know what? No, I'm sorry. The entire country has been following this story for many years. My second point, there's no defense for the actions None. of these priests. Right. And there is no defense to None. those who covered up the actions of this, these priests. And I think that when you're addressing an evil that big, which is indefensible, and you can't show a prism through which you could see another perspective, it tends to create a weak story structure. Oh, that's interesting. Watching reporters sitting in rooms discussing everything secondhand is not as gripping. Well, it also goes to what you've, you know, you taught me a little bit about direction and everything else. Is you can't just tell somebody, you have to show it. 
Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, and frankly... And this is an evil you don't want to show. No, you can't so, show this evil. You mm-hmm. can't. It can't be happening now. So maybe the movie should never have been made. Is that what you're saying? Well, maybe well, it's just a movie I should not have gone to see because it just messes with my operating system. <laughs> I don't know whether you shouldn't have seen the movie, but I think that movies surrounding news that take place in newsrooms are hot. I mean, people, you know, all the president's men, all, you know, it's mm-hmm. just... One of those things, of course, they're going to make the movie because it just fits so well into you don't have to show everything. It can all take place, you know, behind the scenes in the newsroom. Well, this is the thing yeah. is that usually with journalists, yeah. it's a great device because you don't have to fill a movie with exposition mm-hmm. if you have people out investigating because they can ask questions and you can get an answer. But here, you already knew what the story was. Mm-hmm. So they were only trying to find out how many priests were guilty of this terrible evil. I think Mark Ruffalo is a great actor. I loved him in The Kids Are All Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him in Infinitely Polar Bear. We did a podcast well, we on did. that. And he did a really great job in this film. In Spotlight? He wasn't he in Spotlight? Yeah. You thought he did a great job? I did. Okay, well, I'm going to say this is the first time I have <laughs> Are you ever... you looking at me like I'm... <laughs> I know. I just wanted to clarify. This is the first time I have ever not oh, right. liked Mark Ruffalo in I a do. movie. I thought he was very good. Well, I'll tell you why. I heard that he really captured the body language of Mike Resendiz, who is the real-life reporter right. at the Boston Globe, right. where he had that down where he leaned forward all the time. But I found his accent so distracting. The body language was bad. Wait, but, but the was the but language. was the accent bad, or did you just find it odd coming out of his mouth? Because you've seen Both. him. Well, because you've seen him in four movies in the last six months. And in Infinitely Polar Bear, he played a man from Boston, okay, and I did not find it distracting. Oh, there, it was a very different okay. voice. All right, maybe not. Here, then. I actually went to YouTube to listen to Mike Resendiz just to double check Aren't that he you, sounded the nothing investigative like investigative reporter. Well, before I, I before I critique <laughs> Mike Ruffalo for the first time, you know? and, and and Mike Resendiz does not sound like Mark Ruffalo in this movie. So it was definitely a creative choice. It didn't work for me. I know there's things you cannot tell me. But I also know there's a story here, and I think everybody will hear about it. Do you think your paper has the resources to take that on? I do. Do you? Well, I actually thought he played the character. I mean, I don't know Mike Resendiz. I don't, I don't know his... I mean, I don't know what he Do you he know looks. anyone who talks like Mark Ruffalo does in Spotlight? Uh, it didn't bother me, so I don't... You know, frankly, I don't remember. But it didn't bother me... So I don't know. Okay. Um, well, you know, this will not surprise you. Critics love this movie, maybe because it's about people who work at a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> not surprisingly, guess which newspaper gave it a really good review? The Boston Look, Globe. That's right. That's right. Ty Burr at the Boston Globe well, said... Well, because in the end, the Boston Globe did the right thing. Of course they're going to give it a good review. Well, he said, quote, maybe it's too early to decide whether Spotlight is among the best Boston movies ever made. Huh. Do you have a favorite movie? Yes, and don't you? Yeah, I have several. Okay. Good Will Hunting. Are Mm -hmm. you kidding? I know. No offense, I don't think it comes close to Good Will Hunting. Even then I thought, okay, maybe Ty Burr thought Good Will Hunting is a Cambridge movie because people here can be a little, you know, localized. Love Story. Love Story. Okay, Love Story I never thought I enjoyed, but compared to Spotlight, I enjoyed Love Story a lot. No, you can't You can't say it's the best Boston um, movie. Okay, my favorite Boston movie would be Next Stop Wonderland. Did Never you ever see it with Hope no. Davis? No. Okay, I, I recommend it. Next Stop Wonderland. Okay. Even the original Thomas Crown Affair. Huh. 
Was that in Boston? Was it in Boston? Yes, it was. I like the Thomas Crown Affair. I saw both of them. Well, so now, were you are you offended by the movie, or you just didn't like it? I was. I thought it was a snoozer. I thought Mm -hmm. it it could have been told in a much more riveting way. The Boston Globe has been getting a lot of good press from this, and they did run the Spotlight series for nearly two years, for which they won the Pulitzer Prize. But I just want to give a shout out to Kristen Lombardi, who worked at the Boston Phoenix. It's a newspaper that no longer exists, but she actually broke the story nine months before the Spotlight series started huh. to run. Yes. Who knew? So in fact, I'm going to put a link on our website, okay. screenthoughts.net, to her article. And I've heard that the Phoenix ran over 20 articles after her first one came out before the Spotlight series ran. Her article is called Cardinal Sin. It's a great title. Great, great title. And sadly, right. you know, true. What's interesting is no one's saying anything. There's no... There's no pushback from the... I went and looked today. There's no pushback from people from the Catholic Church trying to defend, you know, trying to say the movie doesn't give both points of view. There wasn't another point of view. Well, there isn't. I know that, and mm-hmm. you know, and you know that. But what's interesting is, um, you know, maybe that's progress, you know. And you're right, there it is indefensible. And I'm sorry you didn't like the film. I didn't dislike it as much as you did, just because it's always interesting to me to see something recounted like that. And um, and I love a news story in a newsroom. Well, then I hope you read Kristen Lombardi's article. I will. Article I will. I definitely will. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and to show that I'm not alone. Okay. Here's our conversation at the Hamptons International Film Festival <laughs> with Bill Hartz and Melissa Cohen. Yeah, but you and Bill, you the two smart people, we sat were like on our one own side. Yes. Spotlight team. You and Bill were on one side of the table, and Melissa and I, the you know the other the other side, were on the other side. It didn't bother us the way it bothered See, you guys. See, ironically, yeah. you know, I think journalists should understand yeah. that. Good storytelling requires good editing. Exactly. Guys, listen. Everybody's going to be interested in this. So say hi to Bill Hartz and Melissa Cohen. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for coming. Great to be here. I just want to say that you know I've really enjoyed this weekend and the opportunity to see so many different yeah. films that yeah. you know we would not ordinarily choose to go see. Last night we all saw Spotlight. This is the story of the Boston Globe's uh, coverage of the pedophile uh, issue around the Catholic Church. And you guys have any comments on that? Uh, great acting performance by Michael Keaton. Maybe the best thing I've seen him in. Just I agree. the right balance. Totally. I, I thought he was excellent. Um, did you see him in Birdman? Yes, yes. we did. He actually. was even better I, I liked him Birdman. Much better. However, uh, on the downside, um, I thought it was too long. I, I thought they could have taken at least fifteen minutes yeah. out of it, and, and I think it was two hours it. too, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it easily could have lost fifteen minutes, maybe even more. Would have helped to drive the plot a little faster and, and keep people's interest a little bit more. There As- seems to be a lot of films at this festival where they're taking historical things and making them into films now. It seems to be a thing that's happening. Because, you know, we saw it with Truth, which was the opening night film, and then again last night, which was the Spotlight, which they added uh, two, they added two additional showings of it. So, Melissa, what, what was your thought around it? Um, I heard someone in the theater say, oh, this was Truth and Khakis. <laughs> what was it? Was that you? Oh, that was said me. It? So what did you say? I thought the opening night film that we saw, Truth, which was about journalism, and um, Spotlight. Spotlight was really truth in khakis. (laughs) You know, 
Yeah. And in some ways it was. In it's, some ways it was, it was better filmed. It was a more cohesive story. The Boston accents were not well done either. And no. you know what? They needed to all be there. You can't yes. really get a sense of the globe unless yeah. they were all doing a full-out Boston it accent. It is such a dangerous thing. It's it like is. a Scottish accent and a Boston accent are the two toughest to nail. And I'm going to say the only two people who aren't from Massachusetts who ever really nailed it were Amy Ryan, who Ben Affleck, who is from Boston, was shocked to find out she was a New Yorker, and Christian Bale. I think it's almost the time to go to a British actor to play American, and you'll come closer to a Boston accent than asking an American Interesting. The film reminded me of, uh, there was a, a Paul Newman movie uh, some time ago called Absence of Malice. Of course, yeah. That also involved uh, a newspaper mm-hmm. and... and uh, also based and, on a real... Like, and, yeah. also, and also in Boston. Exactly. And, and it, there were a but lot he was of a washed out. He was a washed out lawyer. I understand, yeah. but but a lot of similarities yeah. in terms of you know uh, the effects of journalism on real life uh, victims of, of crime. The other thing that was interesting to me is at the end of the movie they roll a number of factual things, such as the fact that Cardinal Law was removed and sent to Rome. And there was a gasp in the audience as if no one knew that. And I thought everyone knew that. The cardinal law is now leave, living in the most beautiful of of castles. A 16-bedroom apartment. Yes. yes. Hello. For, for all, all, for all his, his friends. Minions. Exactly. I mean, he was rewarded. You know, he was pulled out of America. And he Especially certainly... if anyone's ever visited Boston's cathedral. It's not on the nicest of streets. Yeah. yeah. You know, I you, you make a very good point. It's sort of very sad. I'm shocked is at that. that yeah. You know, so much of our history, you know, even in the past 20 or 30 years, that so many Americans just don't understand, don't remember. But I mean, I, I didn't know people didn't... Uh, they kept gasping at a lot of the stuff. At least this crowd. When we got home, we were talking about the film... And one of the things that we pointed out is, what are the pedophile numbers? Is, is this just unique to get the Catholic Church? Or is pedophilia something that's true in schools? It's true in, you know, wherever grown-ups that are not parental have access to children. But I think we know that for a fact. Right. I mean, we see you those know, stories not on unique daily to the Catholic basis. Church. Let's exactly. That way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's a devastating story. It is. And it's uh, a global yeah. issue that remains today. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm the only one thinking that the screenplay was very repetitive. I felt like instead of letting the characters act and giving them any dramatic situations, they were just little information vessels. Almost as though you filmed a Wikipedia page right, that's about very the well scandal. Said. Yeah. So, for example, when Stanley Tucci's character, and I love Stanley Tucci, says, by the way, these documents you're looking for that are sealed were affixed to one of my motions, which is public record, but they're not there. They're not there? No, they're not there. Trust me, they're not there. You can look for them, but they're not there. And then we cut to Mark Ruffalo melodramatically running to the courthouse to pull the file to show us that they are in fact not there. And then he pulls out his cell phone and has to call Michael Keaton, his editor, to say, Stanley Tucci told me there are documents and they exist, but they're not there, but I looked in the courthouse. And I thought, we've seen it, we've heard it, we've heard it again. No wonder the, the movie was two hours and eight minutes. Um, and well put. That was put. But it was also very, it took you a long time to tell us that? No. <laughs> because I had to read how many errors there like, were. Right, that's my point. Exactly. exactly. They could have cut out 
the, there was a scene uh, between two of the members of the uh, reporting of the investigative reporting team. Afterwards, he goes over to her house, mm-hmm. and you know they talk about you know uh, how he flew off the handle and other yeah. that entire scene, which is probably three or four minutes, you know, could easily have been mm-hmm. cut out. No, you're right. you're right. And we didn't have to see. He could have flown off the handle. There could have been a moment he could have said, I'm sorry. Yeah. They, right, and that would have ended you know, it right, right there. Instead of seeing the husband open the door and then right. cut to the back porch. Exactly. It's, you know, yep. yes. I know, it was tedious. Um, but is that direction or is that the screenplay? It's the screenplay. It's both, actually. It's both, it? because yeah. it's definitely a structural flaw with the screenplay, yeah. but the director should have yeah, guessed, he should but have the director also wrote the screenplay. See, I don't know enough about movies, and that leads me to think that our screenplays written and then followed so closely that they don't Depends. see their own Depends. flaws Depends. as they're making them. Well, usually those are screenplays that don't get picked up, you know. But also the director, there's rewrites that take place. The director can direct what he wants. So he should have seen, I think, I think O'Toole's point is he should have seen that this was an issue. But I think you also have to trust your audience. Yeah. So if you keep dumbing it down... I personally think they should have gone to the many playwrights who constantly turn out such good work for Law and Order and know that they have to tell every story in 50 minutes. Yeah. Things are not repeated in Law and Order, and yet you're trying to solve a case, yeah. which is really and what they're doing And you still here. remember the entire storyline from start to finish. There's there are, there so are some very powerful moments when they go from 13... To 90. Is that the way you would have told it? Would no. you have been in a no, but they, but they do room? they do get a bang for their buck in some of the ways that they layer in some of the enormity of this whole yes, thing. I actually think it only really truly came through in the credits. Yes. This when all the, of the cities were listed on three oh, separate very, very poignant screens. Yeah. But this is the exact same issues I had with truth. So, for example, if you were a dramaturg and you thought, how can I make this issue as dramatic as possible without going over the top to melodrama? Would you have a reporter on the phone to another reporter saying, you know, it's 13, but it could be higher? Or if those reporters were supposed to be Catholic and have gone to a Catholic school, have them at home with a sibling or a spouse or a child and get a look off of one of those actors that says it happened to me. That would be dramatic and say, no, the number's much higher than you think. Well, all right, who at the table votes for O'Toole to direct the next? How many times did you hear in that film? How How many times did you hear in that film people saying, yeah, well, we all knew it was going on. That's right. We all knew it, and at least three or four times I heard that. Well, we all knew it was going on, uh-huh. but nobody did anything. And sometimes with an accent and sometimes without. John, I mean, it's not a consistent use of accents no, either. It's not. John Slattery was wasted. Yes, he was. I totally agree. He's fabulous on Mad Men, and here... I was looking for Wait, a who, I don't remember who he was. Who was oh, John Slattery? Ben was. Bradley. Yep. Ben Bradley. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. He always plays the boss. He wasn't on Mad Men. Yes, yes he of course John he was. John Roger Sterling. Roger Sterling. The guy with the white hair. Oh, he was? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sterling. I thought you... Who's yes. the guy who played the um, Jewish... Liv public? Schreiber. Okay, I didn't... I, he was great, and he low-balled... Probably of all the actors in there, he was the strongest, I thought. He he's really nailed his performance. He yeah. does a lot of movies to pay the yeah. bills, but he's a stage actor. Yeah. So we're all looking forward to next year. We can't wait to, to have a reunion again. And thank you guys for being here thank with you, us. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, really, really happy to Thanks have you. It's been fun. Thank yeah, you very much. Great job. Yeah. That was fun.